Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today for the Simple Plan Podcast, Episode 5. Today we're looking at financial security. How can you be confident that you and your family are prepared to deal with whatever comes your way financially? We can't know what's going to happen, but we can be prepared. As always, we've got a great tool to help you with this topic. You're going to be able to assess your financial security readiness and build an action plan to help you take the steps that you may need to take in order to be financially secure. Let's get started. You can find this podcast and the download bonuses at getthesimpleplan.com forward slash episode five. My name is Brad McBeth. I am an FPU coordinator. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's Financial Peace University. That's uh, Dave Ramsey's oh, kind of flagship course. I've actually taken a bunch of people through Financial Peace University over a, a whole bunch of sessions. And I am an independent licensed financial advisor. I've been uh, in this business helping people with their finances for about 16 years. Uh, on top of that, uh, I am an educator uh, for the last 25 years, uh, adult education, uh, teaching in all sorts of different contexts and venues. And, you know, I have walked through this journey, uh, this big transformation journey financially. Uh, I've had to do it twice uh, in big ways. And what I mean by that is uh, my wife and I did it for ourselves. Uh, that was one time, and that's where we put all these principles we're talking about tonight uh, into action and transformed our lives with it. But then working as an independent advisor, I had to figure out what this meant for what I did working with clients because all this stuff we're talking about tonight, this is not what the financial services industry uh, teaches or wants their people that are doing financial planning or sales. They don't want them doing this stuff uh, because that's not what makes them a, a boatload of money. So I then had to go and figure out uh, how to become an advisor who uh, taught people how to do these things uh, and live life uh, quite differently. And it's been a great transformation. And now, um, you know, it used to take a lot of time to get a bunch of people into a room and connect with a bunch of people. Now with uh, what we're doing here tonight, this kind of presentation, uh, we're able to easily find the people out there who want to transform their lives. And so uh, I'm just very thankful for all of that now. And it is so transformational. It brings such peace uh, into your life. Uh, congratulations to all of you for being on this uh, journey here tonight. So I want to talk about uh, financial security. Uh, planning for financial security is like the anti-lock brakes and airbags uh, for our finances. Uh, if you're old enough like me to remember a time when there were no anti-lock brakes or airbags or even seatbelts for that matter a long time ago, um, you'll know what I'm talking about. And the thing about uh, anti-lock brakes and airbags is that they're there to one, prevent accidents, and two, reduce the damage that's caused by accidents. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of a look at that. And we can't know what will happen, but we can be prepared for what happened. Stuff happens in life. There is just no way for us to anticipate everything that's going to come our way. But uh, we can make preparations in our finances to be able to deal with whatever is going to come our way. And so financial security is what that's all about. So let's have a look at kind of a little bit of a state of the nation here. 50% of Canadians 
there was some massive surveys done just last year. This is really uh, great information. 50% uh, of Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck. 50% would borrow money, would have to borrow money from family, friends, or use credit cards to deal with even just a $1,000 emergency. They're $200 away from not being able to pay all their bills, and they have no financial plan of any kind. And so um, that's not a way to live. And so we want to look at uh, three principles here on building our financial security. The first is to protect your cash. So Mike uh, taught us about uh, putting your cash flow plan together and uh, getting out of debt permanently and setting some goals. Well, all that stuff is vulnerable to the things that kind of go bump in life financially. And so the first step in protect is to protect your cash. And the way we do that is with an emergency fund. Uh, this is the anti-lock breaks of your financial plan. So if you're driving along and someone cuts you off in traffic or uh, changes lanes in front of you in a way that they shouldn't, you can stomp on those brakes and jam them down to the floor and you're going to be okay and there's no damage done to your car. Your emergency fund is like that. It's there to prevent you uh, from having those uh, minor accidents that can upset your finances. It's a hard stop uh, and when you use your emergency fund, you've got to go back and replenish it, uh, but it doesn't have any kind of a long-term impact on your plan. And so what should an emergency fund look like? And bearing in mind that 50% of Canadians really don't have anything. Uh, your emergency fund should be about three to six months of expense money. And so how do you determine whether it should be three or six or five or what have you? Uh, that's fairly uh, situational. It uh, depends on your circumstances. So for example, if you're a double income household and both people have solid uh, employment types of jobs, well, you know, you can probably go more with the three or four months. But if you're self-employed and you have a single income household, uh, you've got a little more risk there financially, so you're probably going to want to tend more to the five or six months. But bear in mind, uh, what we're talking about here is expense money. So it's not uh, three to six months of your income. It's three to six months of your expenses. And what are your expenses? Well, if you have a financial emergency going on, uh, like any emergency, you're going to just focus on the essentials. So if you've got some kind of financial upset going on, you're not going to go out and buy clothes this month, or you're not going to go out for dinner or go out to some uh, entertainment thing or uh, things like that. You're going to um, batten down the hatches and you're just going to focus on uh, what's most key. And so that's what we mean by expense money. It's the essentials. It's the bills that have to be paid. You know, obviously we're going to eat, so we've got to have some food money in there. But maybe we cut back and we don't have to eat as extravagantly. Those kinds of things. So we want to figure out what our three to six months or what a month's expense money looks like. And then we want to have three to six months of that on hand. That is step one. Now, bigger things happen in life and we have to work to protect our lifestyle. We have to put plans in place, set those goals like Mike was talking about and protect our lifestyle. We all have a way of life that we're carrying on. It's a standard of living. It's just the kind of ebb and flow of, of how life is going and uh, an equilibrium that we've arrived at. Um, but big and bad things can happen. Um, you know, I had a sad example last year, a, a dear friend of mine uh, 
found out he had cancer and he was gone five months later. And that, uh, he was 52 years old. It was uh, shocking. And for families that experience that kind of a situation, unless you're already independently wealthy, that is going to really upset your finances. It's going to cause a potentially permanent change to your family's finances. So just as they're having to deal with this, some kind of devastating event in their life, um, their finances are falling apart as well. So we protect our lifestyle with life insurance. Uh, life insurance is there to ensure that our family's way of life continues uh, even under the most catastrophic circumstances. Uh, it's not there to uh, as some kind of a lottery win or anything like that. It is there to make sure that if something happens to me, my family can carry on uh, in the lifestyle that they've had without having that severe impact on their life. Um, and so the third principle we want to follow here is we want to protect our income. Now for most of us, our biggest asset is not what we think it is. Most people tend to think that the big asset in their life is their house, if they own a home, uh, maybe it's cars or maybe it's jewelry or some other types of possessions. But for almost everybody, our biggest asset, uh, especially when we're pre-retirement, our biggest asset in life is not our house, it is our ability to earn an income. So for example, if you're 35 years old uh, and you're making 50, $60,000 a year, um, you are still going to have ahead of you uh, several million dollars in income that's gonna come your way before you reach age 65. So that's what you're insuring when you, when I say protect your income. And the way that we protect our income is with something called disability insurance. So these three things, your emergency fund, uh, your lifestyle protection through life insurance, and your income, protecting your income through disability insurance, are the three key principal uh, pillars to protecting your family's lifestyle. So, one of the questions we get a lot is what kind of insurance should I have? Uh, people hear about all sorts of different types of insurance products and they're uncertain what to do. And uh, this is an area where you can get, where we give a very simple answer and that is uh, term. You want term life insurance. Uh, the other types of life insurance are generally called cash value types of life insurance. Uh, they have names such as whole life insurance or universal life insurance. Um, but those are insurances that carry with them some kind of an investment or financial growth component. And insurance is an expensive uh, and a low return place to invest and grow money. Uh, it's not a great place to accumulate money. You wanna, if you wanna grow money, you wanna do that in a separate kind of investing and saving category, not inside your life insurance. So it's much better to invest elsewhere. You'll get better returns and you'll have lower fees on that. So what I'm essentially saying is you want to avoid gimmicks, bells and whistles, all that kind of stuff. Simple protection is all you need. Universal life and whole life, I'm not saying uh, nobody ever anywhere should ever have those products, uh, but they have some very specific and narrow uses for tax planning, for business owners, or for the wealthy. They, have, they can have some nice features, but for the vast majority of Canadians, 
uh, they are not good tools for providing for your family's financial protection, for putting that financial security in place. They are expensive and uh, they will gobble up a lot of your money keeping them in place. Just as an example, uh, typically uh, a family uh, with young children, you know, they might be spending between 50 and 100, maybe a little over dollars a month on their, all their insurance. Uh, whereas families in that same category that have whole life insurance, they're often spending three and four and five hundred dollars a month. And so that's not a great use of your, your money. That money should be divided so that you're getting the basic insurance and that bigger sum is going to your investing for the future and earning a better rate of return and costing you less to do so. Now, there's some really nasty insurance out there that you really want to avoid, and that's mortgage insurance and creditor insurance. They're uncertain, they're expensive, and they protect the lender. They don't protect you. Um, so they are not great products at all. You may not even be aware that you've got these products. Um, often people aren't aware that they've got this on their credit card, for example. They don't look closely at their credit card statements. And they don't realize that they're paying an amount every month, often based on the balance that they're carrying on their credit card. And it's a very high amount for the amount of life insurance coverage they get there or disability coverage. Um, the uncertainty that comes from these products is that uh, when you buy standard term life insurance, you go through a bit of a process, you submit an application, um, the insurance company looks closely at your application and then it issues your policy. Once they've issued that policy, you're golden. You have that contract and if something happens to you, it's going to pay out. With mortgage or credit insurance, um, that's not at all what happens. Uh, if you've purchased uh, or obtained these products before, you've uh, maybe had that experience, you're at the mortgage broker, you're, you're excited because you're about to get your new home, and uh, they ask you as they're filling stuff out, oh, do you want life insurance on this? Well, that sounds like a good idea. So you say, well, sure, what does it take? And they go, oh, it's just simple. They check the checkbox, you initial that, and they ask you five or eight or 10 questions maybe. Um, and you go away from there, A, now with a significant monthly payment for that insurance, but B, you think that you're protected. But what happens from there is that the life insurance company doesn't actually go and investigate these questions until or unless you make a claim. And so fast forward and maybe it's 10 years later and something catastrophic's happened, a spouse has passed away and you're like, well, thank goodness the house will be paid off anyway. You go to make a claim on this life insurance and you find out that, so oh, there's a question about how the spouse answered the question 10 years ago. Well, first off, you can't recall what went on 10 years ago. And secondly, the spouse is not there to actually address the question. And so this leads to a, uh, an unfortunate number of people being declined the payout when they make claims on this type of insurance. For example, in Australia, they did a survey and they found that 75% uh, of those policies did pay, but 25% of those policies, when there was a claim made against them, did not pay out. So one in four uh, who submitted a claim were not paid the benefit that they felt that they believed that they had in place. With conventional life insurance, um, it's less than 1% that don't get paid out. And those are always uh, because of fraud. So um, it's 
The mortgage and creditor insurance is not a good product and it really needs to be avoided. So here's your action plan. We can't know what will happen, but we can be prepared. So be sure to prepare. So your action plan is to review your current insurance policies. Now, let me add a caveat there. Don't cancel anything. Uh, go and have a look at what you've got. And if you need to make some changes, then go about doing that. But don't cancel any insurance coverage that you currently have until you put new insurance coverage in place. But you need to go have a good close look at what you're paying. Have a close look. Uh, if you've got mortgage insurance, that should be included on your mortgage statement. You can see how much you're paying there. And uh, if you and have a close look at your credit card uh, statements, any kind of credit you've got, look on there and make sure that there's not some kind of a, a line item in there for insurance coverage. Uh, and if there is, go and look at getting the right type of insurance coverage in place. And once you've got that, make sure you cancel those because those are not going to serve you well. Thanks for joining me today for the Simple Plan Podcast. You can get all the tools and the transcript for this podcast at getthesimpleplan.com forward slash episode five. You can find the Simple Plan Podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. For all that information, go to getthesimpleplan.com forward slash podcast.